But, you know, today we're, we're awfully blessed because, church, two of our uh, missionaries that we love to support actually said, well, we want to worship with you today. And I said, well, it'd be a shame if we didn't allow you to just come up and at least say hi. So I want you to welcome up Mike and Dara. They're, they're back for a couple months and so blessed to have them in the house of the Lord. So I'm just going to turn the mic over to them for a few moments. Well, thank you, Pastor Shirley. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, you want to go first? You know, they always want to say, uh, let the ladies go first, right? Um, just want to say thank you so much, Pastor Aaron and the Open Bible Sunshine family. You are truly our sunshine. Thank you so much. You know, as we were worshiping this morning, uh, well, actually, we, we have many uh, schedules already set up for us, but we reserved this week just so that we can be with you. And we just want to come and worship. Thank you for the opportunity for us to say thank you. But as we worship worshiping this morning, the word that came to my mind and was diamond in the rust for a sunshine open Bible family. About six years ago when we were itinerating and Pastor Gerald and Cindy gave us the opportunity to come to Sunshine Open Bible and just some of the things that um, we just realized during that service that you are really a diamond in the rust. Because when we talked to Pastor Aaron, uh, actually several weeks ago, mm -hmm. and we had an unplanned visit back to the state, um, Pastor Aaron told us that Sunshine Open Bible has adopted us. And thank you so much. We are so privileged to be adopted by you the mission and the ministry that God has called us to go back to Southeast Asia to minister to the people in Laos, Vietnam, um, Myanmar, and Thailand is truly a blessing to be adopted by Sunshine Open Bible. God bless you, and needless to say that God has blessed you spiritually and physically and financially, and we are in this place, and we are blessed to be worshiping with Amen. you today. Thank you so Amen. much. I have one minute. <laughs> You're good, brother. You're good. <sighs> Appreciate, Pastor. Absolutely. It's such an honor to be here. And uh, every time we come, well, I'm going to make it short. Five years ago, we were in Thailand five years, and we pray and pray. God sent Open Bible uh, mission team to, to help us. You know, at times we get discouraged. And, uh, and we pray, and we, we want some, a, 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 uh, well, like Open Bible Church that will come alongside of us uh, to minister in Thailand, because our goal is to be in Thailand 10 years, and we've been there five years already. And we just uh, at the surface of, of beginning a church plant. Mm -hmm. And I think last year I, I, I I told Pastor Aaron, said, would you bring them move to Thailand and build a church? And he was just like, okay, if you have the land, call me. And that's, that word still ring in my head, and we pray that it's so impossible to get the land in Thailand. We could not afford it, and we cannot 
as a foreigner, you cannot own a land. But praise God, God made a way mm-hmm. that we partnered with church. The church said, we have a land, but it had to be filled with dirt. Uh, and we, if you do that, you can use the land for anything you want. And then I just let Pastor Aaron know right away. And he's, so he said, 2024, he will come. And I pray, uh, uh, I hope that some of the men here will join us. And I know you will bring the board and the team with you in, in March of yep. next year. And the, the church, the little church is the dying church in, in, in Thailand are looking forward to it. And you bring life, mm-hmm. a breath of life into that church right now. And we are appreciated very much. God answered our prayer and he chose Sunshine Open Bible to, to adopt us and, and to help us and give us a, a, a search of, uh, of strength to continue. And I know God is going to call you young people. You know, there may not be young people here, many, but there will be the next generation that will carry on your legacy, the legacy that Sunshine Open Bible has established. And I know uh, uh, there's going to be someone here to take over Thailand for us when we cannot go further. Thank you, Pastor Aaron. Amen. Everyone, please. that um, we were hoping Open Bible churches will visit us. So we've been there for five years. We never had. So when Sunshine Open Bible come, you will be our first <laughs> mission team. So we are looking forward to uh, host you in uh, March 2023. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> so... To be clear, what's going on is we're taking a leadership team over there in 2023 because Mike and Dara have a pretty large vision for Thailand. And um, they, they briefly mentioned that, for those who don't know, I am the national head of a men's ministry for Open Bible called MOVE. And what we do is we, we minister to men first, but we build churches all over the world. And um, I'm just curious if I have any men in here that would be interested in building a church in Thailand. You need to come talk to me about that because we're going there in January of 2024 to build a church. And so I I would love, whether you have been in construction or not, I guarantee we can find a job for you. And no matter what age you are, I have have taken anyone from the age of 16 with, with a parent to the age of 87, we have had men on, on move projects. So don't try and limit yourself in what you can do. Know that we can find a place for you, and that's going to be a January of 2024. Again, give Mike and Dara a round of applause. It's so great to have them here. <clears throat> you know, we've been in the middle of this broken series, and we have been covering what causes brokenness in our lives in relation to God. And there is one subject over every other that seems to hit people the hardest because, it's one, it's not a comfortable subject. And two, it's just really personal. In fact, that this subject, it's one of the top, they, they say one of the top three reasons that couples get divorced. And that's money. 
To say that we can be broken by money, though, is, is, is simply too vague, and it's not universally true for everybody, but think about it this way. If it is, the, the, you'll know this phrase, and I, I want you to think about this for a minute. Is money the root of all evil, or is love of money the root of all evil? It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. And there are passages of, passages of Scripture where clearly when God blessed And he did it by blessing through money. And it caused some of his servants to be rich. And clearly, being rich, if God blesses that way, is not a sign of evil. But it doesn't mean that you only have the favor of God if he is blessing you financially. Amen? In fact, what I've seen, it's usually the impoverished that carry a deeper faith than those who are well off. So we've got this problem because we as Americans, we are more blessed than the rest of the world because we often, I mean most of the time, we're in a bit of a recession right now, but we have financial stability. And I believe that if we let it, money can either positively affect what we do for the kingdom or it can negatively affect our faith. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to sort out all of this and read what Jesus said about money and our possessions in the book of Matthew. If you could turn into Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21 this morning, and I have a bunch of scripture for you today, but we're going to start in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Jesus says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. I want to pray. Father God, we just thank you for your word and your truth and what it brings. And God, I pray that as, as many of us have experienced either be broken by money or lured by it, Father, I pray that we can understand, Lord, how to use it for the sake of your kingdom and have our lives enriched. And more than anything, God, that we be controlled by you, not controlled by the things of this earth. I thank you in Jesus' name, amen. It's, it's so funny because as I looked at this passage, um, the, the, the bulk of my sermon is completely different than what I want to say to you right now. That Jesus makes it so clear there's a difference between worldly treasure and earthly treasure, right? So treasure that is eternal, treasure that is everlasting is something that is usually not very tangible on this earth. It's not something that you can hold unless it's a life. Unless it's a life. So what Jesus is really instructing here is when you focus on eternity, your treasures become different. Instead of looking at possessions as treasures, you start looking at lives as treasures. 
and the people around you and those who you minister to, where it's, it's not just your family, but it's your neighbors, it's your coworkers, it's, it's the people that you meet in the convenience stores and the grocery stores, those who you come in contact with on a daily basis. But something that I want to talk about today is what really is true riches. Let's start with talking about the world's standards. Have you ever noticed that the more money you make, the more money you need? Do you know what I'm talking about? That if, say you're getting ready to get this big promotion at work, and you're thinking, man, we're going to have all this money now, right? We're going we're gonna to be able to save, we're going to be able to do this, do that, and next thing you know, you get that promotion at work, and you're going along, and it seems like somehow that money is still getting spent, and you're trying to just figure out where it's going. Something that's amazing to me though, how many more bills we experience today than we did 20 years ago? You ever think about that? The, the, the cell phone bills, right? Some of you might have moved away from cable, which is great because you can save a little bit more on streaming, but then there's these other expenses that we incur on a monthly basis that we never did before. And it's, it's funny how the digital age particularly, it's required more of your money to be spent. Have you noticed that? So for all the world's conveniences, yet you're still spending more money, not less. And something that's funny is that the world convinces us that not only do we need all this stuff, but you aren't living unless you have it. In fact, uh, turn on YouTube, your social media, regular television. We are sold through advertisements that true happiness only comes when you've obtained these possessions. So, so what, what they try and sell you is that if you get this thing, all of a sudden you have status. You are going to be satisfied, and once you obtain that thing, it's changed your life. Your life is completely changed. I believe nothing proves my point more than buying a new car. Now, I think uh, most of us can agree. There's probably someone who disagrees with this statement, but there's nothing greater than that new car smell, right? Love the smell of a new car, but... If you have ever drove around in a jalopy like I have, and then all of a sudden you get a chance to drive a new car, you're thinking, oh, yeah. That, that is what I need. And what we think is that if I get that new car, or if I get that new thing, we think that once we're behind that steering wheel, oh, now I've made it. I've made it. I'm somebody now. I'm, I'm special. This is going to change my life. The way my boss, my coworkers, my family, they're going to look at me differently now. And so all of a sudden, imagine you obtain that new vehicle and you have this new prize and next thing you know, you start realizing there's a lot more people that have this same vehicle than I thought. And then next thing you know, you drive by the car lot where you bought it like two months prior. And you're like, wait a second, 2023? 
It's still 2022. I bought the, I bought the old model. If I just would have waited, I could have had that 2023. Well, guess what? What you're going to find out about next June is that 2024 model's coming out. So all of a sudden, what, what, what has happened is we have this standard of being defined by what you have instead of who you are as a person. And in our culture, what we have is often representative of our success, and that is why I believe we have a debt problem in our nation. You guys hearing me? Take, instead, of, instead of going right to our pocketbooks, take our, our government as a good example. Our national debt in 2021 was $28.4 trillion. $28.4 trillion. Now, if you chose to tax every tax-paying American to get us out of debt, you would owe $229,000. And unfortunately, that debt that we are now in, it sets a precedence for us as people and how we consider debt for ourselves. Get this, I, I looked this up, this, I, I found this fascinating. On average, this is the average credit card debt. Not average debt, but average credit card debt. For a, a U.S. adult is $6,194 credit card. And most of the time, not all the time, we put ourselves in that position, not based on things that we need, but items we want. Wendy and I, we had been married a couple years, and it's crazy. You know, we got married at the age of 19. We were just over the age of 19 when we got married. And um, next thing you know, we get this advertisement for a credit card in the mail, and we had never had a credit card before. And they're like, we are offering you a credit card in the amount of, get this, we were 20 years old, 2021, 20, a credit card with a, with a credit limit of up to $10,000, Right? And all of a sudden, you know, two, two stupid 20-year-olds, it's like, that's $10,000 we didn't have. All of a sudden, we have, we have this access to $10,000, and it seems so smart. Hey, I want that. Well, put it on the credit card, right? And so next thing you know, we're doing that, and it's like, okay, now we got to catch up. Now we got to pay on those things. And the, the way we've structured it, and especially now that, you know, uh, being the, the head of this church and the head of an organization, I have two financial uh, responsibilities. And so Wendy does all the, the organizing of our personal finances. And what happened was we were, we were young and dumb and we let things get carried away. And one day she approached me and hold on to this at the age of 22, I think this was at this time, maybe 23. She approached me and she said, Hey, we got a problem. And what, what, you know, we, we've been moving around from credit card to credit card. Anytime they offered 0% interest on a, on a trade, we did that and we should be good, right? And she's like, no. She said, we have $16,000 worth of credit card debt. And immediately I, I realized the foolish decisions we had been making. And as much as we thought we could catch up, we just, we just couldn't. 
And so by the grace of God, what we did was we sought some credit counseling and we, we decided that we didn't want to claim bankruptcy or anything like that. We decided that we were just going to throw every dollar we have at those credit cards. And they told us what payments we could make and in what period of time we could get that paid off. And by the grace of God, we were completely credit card debt free in two years. How do you define being rich? There are two mindsets to being rich. The first is you can be rich by obtaining wealth through cash and possessions, or you can be rich by having a satisfying life. Jesus addresses both of these in Scripture. The first place is in Matthew chapter 19 in verses 16 through 22. There is this rich man standing in front of him who is asking him, what can I do to inherit eternal life? Now, Jesus being fully God and at that moment fully man, he knew the heart of the man that he was dealing with and listen to what he said. He said in Matthew chapter 19, verses 21 through 22, Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said a little bit later on in verse 24, he says, I'll say it again. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, I look at that, and you could easily draw the conclusion that Jesus is saying you should not obtain money or possessions. That, that's, that's what we can interpret right away, but I think we have to go further. At the time, if you think about the taxes of the Roman Empire, uh, of the time of Jesus' ministry, it was great. And the Pharisees, what they were trying to do at the, that moment, they were trying to trap Jesus. When, and, and so they asked him about paying taxes. In Matthew 22, verses 19 through 21, listen to Jesus' response here, and we're going to tie this all together. He, he, they said, here, show me the coin used for the tax, Jesus said. When they handed him a Roman coin, he asked whose picture and title are stamped on it. Caesar's, they replied. Well, then he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. And I started thinking about this issue of money, this issue of being rich, Perhaps this issue lies in when we approach our funds. Who does it truly belong to? Who does it truly belong to? Does it belong to you? Does it belong to the government? Or does it belong to God? Because I can tell you that when the rich young ruler heard that, and he thought about all his possessions and everything he had, at that time, he was looking at what he had. He was looking at his money as, this is all mine. This is all mine. I love it. I cherish it. I need it in my life. And Jesus could examine his heart, and he knew exactly what was in his heart, that this guy claims it is his. It's not anyone else's, and he's holding on to it. It defines him. Then there's the other 
kind of being rich. We find in John 10.10, it says, The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And the odd part is when Jesus says he has come that you can have a rich and satisfying life, he was never talking about what's in your bank account or the possessions that you will have. I want you to think about this room and the majority of us of our church is middle class. And honestly, being here on the east side, many of us are lower middle class, but we're middle class. And the middle class, I believe, is at a greater disadvantage when it comes to our relationship with money than the rich or the poor. I really believe that. And let me explain why. Financially, you have just enough not to rely on God in faith to provide. You have just enough. And yet, we can still be ensnared because the money that we have is never enough, and so we're always reaching trying to possess things that we can't afford. You know, it's funny. Some of the happiest people I have ever met had nothing. They had absolutely nothing. And then at the same time, I have have several relationships with wealthy people, and I'm amazed at how money doesn't really hold power over them because if they want something, they can just go out and buy it. Yet, early in life, I tended to fall into the trap of I'd work hard for something I wanted because I believed it would make the difference in my life. I want you to hear this and I want you to hear me very closely. Being rich and satisfied, it's a mindset. It's a mindset where we're truly only fulfilled because of our relationship with God. It's not a status defined by your bank account. It's not a status defined by the possessions that you have. It is a mindset of your relationship with the Lord. And so, I want to kind of transition into money's lure over us. There's a couple of great biblical examples, and the first one that I want to speak about is Judas. You know, many of us know the story of Judas, that Judas was the betrayer. He was a disciple that worked alongside Jesus for three years. And clearly, I, I, I believe that Jesus knew the whole time what was going to be ushered in. But I believe there was a genuineness to Judas when he started out with Christ. And it was a slow fade to the point where eventually he betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And over that course of time, he was being manipulated by Satan But at the time that he betrayed Jesus, money was the motivating factor. Listen to Matthew 26, 14 through 16. It says, Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve disciples, went to the leading priest and asked, How much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? You see that? Immediately, it isn't about what Jesus is doing and Judas is starting to disagree with it. He says, how much will you pay me? And they gave him 30 pieces of silver. 
From that time on, Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. So money was the motivating tool for Judas's betrayal. And church, I am telling you, we should approach money as a tool to be used. If not, it has the potential to use you. Amen? You hearing me? So Jesus, what he wanted to do was, he wanted to display the favor of God that he had to his disciples, and then they do the work. And so Jesus teaches us how to actually let money work for you instead of you working for the money. Listen to his instruction as he was sending them out to minister in Luke chapter 9, verses 3 through 5. So Jesus is sending them out to minister to people, and he says, take nothing for your journey. Now, if, if, if Christ spoke to you right now and he says, hey, I want you to go minister to people in Las Vegas. They really need Jesus there. You're going to say, okay, how much money do I need to bring? And you're going to start thinking about either the flight cost or the gas, hotel stay, food. You're going to start calculating all that stuff. And Jesus says, take nothing for your journey, he instructed them. Don't take a walking stick, a traveler's bag, food, money, or even a change of clothes. You hear that and who says, I'm out. I'm out. I have to take a change of clothes because we're going to Las Vegas and I'm going to be ripe by noon. I mean, seriously, we, we, we start thinking that way, don't we? But Jesus says, wherever you go, stay in the same house until you leave town. And if a town refuses to welcome you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. Here's the lesson here. If God asks you to do something, and it seems like it's a risk, it seems like it's a step of faith that you can't afford to do at the moment. Then you don't have faith. Then you don't have faith. See, the bottom line is, the, the, the way God works is that when he speaks into your life and he is directing you in things that you need to do, God is then, he is looking for a response. Are they going to respond to me or are they going to start thinking worldly where they're like, okay, so God, you're saying this, so if this needs to happen, then I need a sign. And so all of a sudden you're like, my sign is, okay, if you're moving my family across country, what I need to do is I need to see, okay, is the right school district there? Does that work for us? Okay, I need to see if I can line up a job before we ever dare consider moving there. And so next thing you know, you're making all the phone calls. You're doing all these things. And you're like, you know what? Until we get to the place of financial stability, I can't make that move. And so God sees you thinking worldly, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to use someone else. The way God works is that if you can't respond in faith, when he speaks to you and asks you to do something, he's going to say, okay, they're not there. They don't have the faith. I'm going to move on and I'm going to bless someone who will do that work. And so oftentimes, what happens is we miss the boat. We miss our opportunity because God is looking for people of faith.
You hear me, church? The second example, Ananias and Sapphira. You know, in the days of the early church, many people, they were selling their possessions and they were donating to the church to further its ministry. And there was this couple in the church named Ananias and Sapphira. And what they saw was they saw the accolades people were receiving by, by doing that. And they were, they were seeing a blessing fall on them. And so what they did was they decided, okay, so we've got this property. And what we're going to do is we'll go tell leadership, hey, we're going to sell our property and we're going to give you all the proceeds from that sale. Now they didn't have to do that, but they chose to say that. You guys following me? They didn't have to do that, but they chose to say it. No one told them they had to do it. It was a decision that they made. So I want you to listen to Acts chapter 5 verses 1 through 4. It says, but there was a certain man named Ananias who with his wife Sapphira sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but you were lying to God. I want us to be clear in this lesson. The issue was never over the amount of money they decided to give. The issue was their motives were all wrong. Their motives were wrong. It revealed who they truly trusted in. They decided, I value the power of money in my life over the power of God. Church, are you hearing me? That is what truly happened in their life. So we can't confuse this issue. The problem is never in our lives with the currency. It's with our hearts. Can we trust God with our entire life. Can we do it? And so my encouragement to you is today, you need to decide to surrender your finances to him. And I want to explain that because you hear that and you think, Pastor, are you telling me that you expect me to empty my bank account and bring it into the church? No. No, not at all. This is what I believe it means by surrendering your finances. In Psalm 50.10, it's stated that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Now, I don't know about you, but when we tend to think in terms of wealth, we don't think about, well, how much cattle do you own? Kind of weird, right? Unless you're a farmer, and then that might really compute. But I'm going to tell you about a guy I know that goes on move trips his friend came up to me, and he was pointing out how he dresses. Here he was. He was, in, he was in overalls. He had a piece of dead grass sticking out of his mouth as he chewed on it. Hat kind of tilted up high. Liked to get dirty. And a friend said, 
you know he's a hog farmer. So no, I, I didn't know that. He went further on and he says, I, I want to explain to you something. In hog farming, you're rich if you have two of those long outbuildings that hold hogs. I said, okay. He said, he has six. He has six. And I sat there and thought about that and I, I paraphrased that Psalm 50.10 in my mind to think God owns a thousand hog buildings. And you know, as weird as that sounds, I don't know if you're aware of this, there are more hogs in Iowa than there are people. Did you know that? There are more hogs in Iowa than there are people. And so, to me, this actually does relate that God has enough that he can be your supply. Are you hearing me, church? God is showing that he has enough that he can be your supply. In the book of Malachi, it lists six disputes that God has with his people, and one of them is their relationship with money. And something for all of us that we can comprehend is that if God created all things, then all things are his. He is the true, true source of everything that has been created. He has the power to give life. He has the power to take it away. Which means that God has the power to provide for you. So what it does is it really comes down to our heart. Do we trust him to provide for us? Remember I talked about the disadvantage of being middle class? Many of us are awfully blessed. We don't need to rely on God for things. Guess what? Financially, I have that covered. I can, I can have insurance. So if I get sick, I can just go to the doctor for that. Right? That's a blessing, right? It is a blessing. But at the same time, do you call the doctor first or do you pray about it? Right? Many of us call the doctor first. Get in a finch pine pinch financially, maybe you decide, well, I'll call my financial guy. He can help me work something out here. Instead of getting on your knees before God and saying, God, how are we going to get through this? You and I, we can't carry an arrogant attitude by doing our own thing and expect God to just pick up the bill either. Because that's, that's the that's the opposite of everything else we're talking about, right? And us just taking care of it. You and I, we must choose to be good stewards with what God has given us and move forward in His will with obedience. And if God calls you to something in faith, He'll trust, or, or He'll provide you trust that He's going to make it happen. So let's explain the surrendering our finances. I believe in this day-to-day -day life we are ministers of the gospel. Raise your hand if you're a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, I believe that every God-fearing believer should have their hand raised. And so if we decide, I am a minister of the gospel, then you are saying, God, my life is yours. 
And so you are choosing with each and every step that whatever God says goes. And so imagine you're saying, God, my life is yours. And next thing you know, you are ministering to someone and you're doing it at the grocery store. And you've been praying and crying out to God and you're in the grocery line and God says, you see that person ahead of you? I want you to pay for their groceries. All of a sudden, next thing you know, you're looking in the cart. You're like, okay, let's try and add up what they have here. Oh, they got steak. No, no, the cost of steak is really high right now. I can't do that. And you know, we start calculating these things, right? And next thing you know, we don't trust in God's provision. Because if God is the one that owns a cattle on a thousand hills, then what God is saying, let me be your supply. If you step out in faith, I'm going to provide for you. And church, we have done that in our finances with missions, right? Think about it. I just, I just got this certificate in the mail. And it said that Sunshine was the fourth highest giving church to missions in Open Bible. Yeah. Last year, we gave $53,000 to missions. It's pretty awesome. And you know what has been a byproduct of that? God blessing this church financially. We took our focus and placed it somewhere else than just ourselves. And church, that's not going to change. It can't change. Because the moment of, it does, we talked about this last week, God can remove his favor. God can remove his favor. We don't want that. We want to continue to give glory to God through everything. And he will continue to bless. You and I, we must be good stewards with what God has given us. If God calls you in faith to do something, trust he's going to provide to make it happen. Do you know faith was never acquired by doing something that's easy? It was never acquired by doing something that's easy. Faith requires trusting in God without knowing the outcome. So you and I, we must be open to God using all of us, not just what we choose. Think about this. God could pour out his blessing on you through wealth in order for you to fund his mission. He might call on you to sell everything you have to further his message. Do you see the two differences? So God could bless you to continue to further his mission financially, or he could call on you to sell everything you have because he wants you to go. Don't let your heart's desire, though, get in the way of what God wants to do. Let him determine how you live. Carry the attitude that everything I have, everything I have is his. It's his to use. If God created me, if God breathed life into me, if God created the heavens and the earth and all the elements within the earth, then everything on the earth is his. And I am to just be a steward of that. That should be our heart's attitude with everything, amen? That should be. But it comes at a cost to you. And this is the cost. That you yield 
everything that you have held possession of. You know, it's so easy to say, you know what, God, you can have everything, right? But this, this thing, that's mine. That's mine. I want it to be mine. The greatest possessions I have, or I thought I had at one time, is my kids. And I decided early on, they're either going to be mine or they're going to be God's. And my wife and I made the decision we are going to dedicate our children to the Lord. There's a great example used by Hannah in the Old Testament. And I'm proud to say that all four of my kids were dedicated by this man right here. And Every time one of them was born, we'd say, okay, are they ours or are they God's? And do we need to be in charge of fostering that relationship between them and God? And so we decided early on that that is what we're going to do. And God has used my family in a very unique way, a way that I honestly would have never wanted, but he said, this is how I'm going to use you. And it took me years to come alongside with God's plan. But I came alongside, and I can tell you that our family dynamic, we thrive like never before because we have chosen to just trust in what God wants to do through us. And understand, church, it came at a choice for us. It was never a choice for God, it was for us. And so I'm telling you, sometimes we hold on to some of the craziest things. And what God is asking us to do today, yield everything to me. Yield everything. And here's the thing, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is for you. But for me, it was a lot. It was a lot. And God's still teaching me things about things that I can yield that I don't yield. So I'm a work in progress here. But I think what we can do is we can be open to the Holy Spirit. And we can allow God to speak in us because he, you know what? God usually doesn't drop just two tons of bricks on you all at once. He usually just tosses one brick at you at a time. And what God is going to do by the power of his Holy Spirit, what he's going to do is he's going to reveal to us, hey, you've been holding on to this thing. Give it up for me. Give it up for me. So what I want you to do is I just want you to just kind of bow your head to him right now. And I want you to just kind of raise your arms up to God. And I want you to ask, Father, reveal to me things that I have not yielded to you. And I believe what God's Holy Spirit is doing right now is He is speaking into your life and revealing things that you never thought 
had power over you. There are things that we can be awakened to that have had dominion over us, that have held us back from God. And what he wants to do is he wants to break down those barriers so that he can use us to a greater capacity. So if God is speaking to your life right now and he is showing you things that you need to yield, by your confession of being released from that thing that's held power over your life. Stand to your feet if God is speaking to you. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. And I just want us to lift our hands up to him right now. Father God, we thank you and we praise you, Lord, because you are good and Lord, all good things flow from your throne. And God, we acknowledge, we stand here today acknowledging that God, you created the heavens, you created the earth, you breathed life into us. Every element that is contained within this room, God, you created. It comes from you. And so, Lord, we recognize right now that you are the owner of all things. And God, we are only inhabitants for a time in this earth. And God, one day, you are going to call us home. And Lord, I stand here today because I don't want anything to have power over my life except for you. And so God, my arms are up in surrender. And I say, God, show me. Show me how I can give up these things for you. Lord, open up doorways that I can minister for you and show people your goodness. And God, I know that the moment I choose to yield, I can be used. God, I thank you for each and every person that is standing today that says, God, I need to just trust. I need to trust that you are going to take care, that you are going to provide. And Lord, that might be ultimately what we are yielding. Trusting that, Lord, you are taking care of us each and every step of the way. God, I believe there's an art to surrender. And Lord, may we do it gracefully. Lord, I'm tired of learning the hard way. May we do it gracefully, Father. I praise you, God, and we give all glory to you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.